Before we get to today's special episode of Off the Bench, we want to remind you that you can watch the new Monumental Sports Network show, Level With Me. Today, there is a new episode coming out with none other than Scott Brooks and Glenn Consor. You don't want to miss this one. A lot of jokes, a lot of ragging on each other. It's a lot of fun. So make sure you get to catch that. Uh, We'll be promoting it on social media, and you can also get your free trial always at GetMonumental.com. Welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Zach Rosen here with Jacob Rame and Chris Gehring. The Wizards are 3-0, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Coming up on this episode, we're going to go back from Friday's game against the Pistons, uh, which the Wizards won 115-111, and then last night's game, Monday night in Denver, 109-104 victory. Uh, We also have a very, very, very special guest today. Very special guest, the GOAT. The GOAT. The face of the franchise, Wes Unseld, which uh, Jamoke Davis and I recorded with his wife as well, Connie Unseld, in Baltimore at uh, the Unseld School uh, a few weeks ago. So that's uh, an interview you don't want to miss. As you guys know, we're uh, we're doing um, we're celebrating the Bullets' 40th anniversary of their championship this year. We're doing podcasts with former members of the team, front office members, the whole thing all year. We're, we'll, we'll have... Um, Video interviews on MonumentalSportsNetwork.com. Um, lots of stuff coming out. And you can also get a $40 ticket package to come to both games that weekend where we'll be retiring Phil Chenier's number and celebrating the 40th anniversary team. I believe that weekend is March 23rd and March 25th against the Nuggets, who we just beat and will probably beat again. Uh, and the Knicks, who we'll definitely beat. So we've got that going for us. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be just an electric weekend. I cannot wait already. Seeing Phil's jersey hang up in the rafters is going to be something incredibly special. That doesn't happen every day. You are really not going to want to miss it. He's an icon, and um, and having all the guys back there um, is is just going to be a um, incredibly memorable weekend. And this this podcast with Wes is just one of those things which I know. I wish I could have been there. Unfortunately, I was on my honeymoon, or fortunately, whatever, however you want to take that, but. Um, but Zach and Jamoki did a phenomenal job um, getting a lot from Wes, and it's it's so fun. Yeah, we toss we toss around the goat thing on Twitter a lot, and and Wes Unseld is like actually one of the goats, um, legit goat for you this know, franchise, a Hall of Famer, a goat for this franchise. Me and him are both Louisville alums, so we have that in common. Oh, you know, are you total, bragging you know, about Louisville basketball right now? Yeah, well, we can, you know, we could skip past that part for now. <laughs> but um, it's really cool to have him on. It's cool to have him as part of this franchise, and certainly this interview is something that you've got to hear. So um, we're that's, excited for that. And that's coming up just in a little bit. Yeah, first you got to listen to us. Yeah, right. big Hall of Famers here. You get to listen <laughs> to us first. Uh, so, guys, three and zero, the only team left in the Eastern Conference that's undefeated. Uh, from our PR, it's the, we're the last remaining unbeaten team in the East for the first time since 1974-75 season. Okay, so that's cool. That was uh, a long time ago. That is a long time ago. Um, that team went to the finals, by the way. Yep. Unfortunately, they lost to the Warriors. But should, we, should we tweet that out today? What? That maybe. stat? Yeah, maybe. We could, yeah. I think that's a stat that's worth tweeting out. Giving our listeners a little sneak into how we think around here on about <laughs> social media. <laughs> we basically say, should we tweet that? And then if it's yes, we do it. And if it's no, we don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, uh, 3-0. and uh, we, we we went through the Philly game after that, a little off the bench so after only, dark. So only three teams left in the entire NBA undefeated. So and, you know, I was I was looking through it a little bit. So Wednesday, we have the Lakers um, in L.A., um, 
no easy games in the NBA, but we will be certainly favored to win that game. The Spurs and Grizzlies are the other two undefeated teams. I'm right about that? Correct. Yes. Um, the Spurs go into or uh, Miami on Wednesday, which is a sneaky, tough matchup. And the Rockets have a back-to-back with the Mavericks. And typically in the NBA, teams tend to split. Oh, the Clippers are still undefeated, too. That's that's on me. And I the Rockets are not. So The Rockets We're lost to the well Grizzlies. Here. No, I didn't say the Rockies. Rockets. I said the Grizzlies and the Spurs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who, so and the clip, yeah, the clips kind of uh, snuck up on you. Yeah, the Clippers snuck up on me a little. That's I all right. They've only that. played two games. It's different than three. Um, but so we, I mean, we could if we win on Wednesday, there is a ch- real chance we'd be the last undefeated team in the NBA on Friday morning if the Mavericks can take one out of two from the Grizzlies, if the um, Spurs can win in, if they can lo- lose in Miami to a pretty tough deep Heat team. Um, that I talked about um, on a previous pod as being my surprise team in the East. Um, and I don't know the Clippers' schedule because I didn't prepare for that because I didn't know they were still undefeated. Uh, that's This is bad radio, but I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know they're not home Wednesday because yeah. the Lakers are hosting us. Uh, that's right. So, yeah, basically what you're saying is we could go into Friday to the defending champs okay, undefeated. Okay, they've, they've, uh, they've got a tough couple games. They okay. are at home against the Jazz tonight, and then on Thursday they go to Portland. So you got to love how excited we are that we're talking about undefeated teams the first week of the season because really when the NBA season starts you get there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, yeah. you can gather how your team looks, but besides that, there's a lot of, of games to go. But okay. so what did all, you guys take away so I just, far? I just want to I just want to clarify one thing as well. Last last night we tweeted um, a picture of the standings that said Sup Eastern Conference, we're in first place with the only undefeated team. We got Probably 50-50 split of people taking it way too seriously yeah. and um, and Wizards fans being excited, which they should because this is a really good team. But I would just like to clarify that and say that we understand that it's only three games. Um, we're not we're not taking it too seriously yet, but it is. But Twitter is fun. Yeah. And yeah, we, we had, had fun. fun. Too. Some fun. And obviously the Wizards fans on Twitter had fun with it. And the Cavs and Celtics fans that were in our mentions <laughs> clearly didn't. So I just wanted to clarify that. Now we can go back to talking real basketball analysis. It's just it's just fun this early in the season, like Zach said. This is not you know, this is not crunch time of the NBA. This is um, you know, especially with a short preseason. There's a lot of you know, a lot of there's going to be a lot of ups and downs in the early season, and you know, teams still finding themselves and, and getting used to new additions, all that stuff. But it's just really fun to watch the Wizards right now and, and, you have and to, certainly you know getting off to a start like this is not something that 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 happens really with this team there have been a lot of tough starts let's frankly. let's remember so last year we, we started the year two and eight and people were like you know doom and glooming the whole season Trey John Wall Trey John Wall yeah that would uh, be good, you think? <laughs> that was a good one yeah. um and then we got to and then we got to 49 wins or 49 yeah man yeah I need to yeah at my stats, <laughs> more confident. You're not, you're not um, we the have to stats point guy. This year we're three and zero. I mean, and so the season. I mean, we've already won more games in the first ten with seven to go than we did last season. So I mean, pardon us for being excited. Like, well, we talked about how important it was to get off to a good start, especially without Keith, and then eventually Jason Smith got hurt, unfortunately, but he should be back soon. And I mean, let's start from the obvious points. Otto Porter is really good at basketball. Otto Porter's really good. Kelly Oubre grew up a ton over the summer and looks like a legitimate NBA player. I know I said that he is something along the lines of he's 
a solid NBA player, but now I think like he's legitimate. Like, so I mean, he was he was I think he was uh, let's let's back up. He was always legitimate NBA player. He was just young. What he looks like now is that someone who could start in this league. Yeah, and he is. Yeah, and he can currently make, he is. He but can, it's not gonna. I mean, Keith's gonna get a yeah. starting spot back. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> we know, but we know that Kelly can make an impact from an effort standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. That's that was his bread and butter coming into the league. That's something that we knew that he could bring every single night. This offseason, he he's clearly made some big strides, obviously, in his um, confidence from beyond the three point arc, in his ability to put the ball on the floor, take guys on, really use that length, use that athleticism, and we've seen that so far. and And that's an exciting that's an exciting development for a team that has always been criticized for you know being thin in the bench and and needing energy off the bench he can certainly bring that and and Otto obviously we talked about it in training camp how he looked like he got better players on his, his teammates com- commented that he got better um, we're seeing that now and he he truly truly I think has made this team a real a real problem offensively he looks like a real not just like you know a guy that shoots well from three. He looks like a real scorer. Mm-hmm. I mean that twenty-eight point performance against Detroit. That mm-hmm. was eleven that was nineteen a from the field. Legit offensive assault. Four steals Otto. in that game too. I mean I think he's just like such a like not a, he's not dominant yet, but he's such a consistently great two-way player. Yeah. And when you have two guys in the backcourt who absolutely can be dominant on any given night and are in are dominant most nights, and you throw him into the mix now, this is a really tough offensive team to handle. We're, and we're doing it without Keith. Right. I think it's also important in what Porter has done, I mean, looking at the stat sheets from the last two games, is when he shoots more, the team plays better because they can spread the ball around. I think the key to any game is no one of those big three should take 20 shots. They're all, they all should be taking... 12 to 18 shots and they're all going to score over 20 points unless one of them gets real hot right or something but you like know that, in the first on opening night I think we can all agree that John took a lot more shots than the whole team probably wanted him to him himself um but the last two games he's been so good at passing sharing the ball a lot I think you the opening he's still going to get his points of course because he can draw fouls which we'll get to too I mean the free throws have been crazy Chris you want to go with your free throw stat yeah the well just a the opportunities they're getting to the line the Wizards are getting to the line at a top I guess it's it's second in the league now in attempts first in makes but first in makes and those are both huge developments from last season it was something that Scott Brooks wanted out of his team last year was to attack the basket, get to the free throw line, and, and use that as an advantage. And in these first three games, it's it's obviously they've made it's obvious that they've made a concerted effort to do that. And you know, last night missing two free throws against yeah, just against Denver in, in Denver. So that improvement and that ability to just convert on on chances that you can create that that especially guys like John and Brad and Otto when they go to the basket, it is hard to stop them, and, and they are going to get fouls. And all three of those guys can convert on the free throw line. The team did that as a whole against Denver. It made a huge, huge difference in a game that I think we all knew was going to be a tough game that was going to come down to the wire. It's a tough road atmosphere with the thin air and all that stuff. Bradley Beal talked about that pregame, but um, it's it's, just underrated. it's it's the little things that, that you look at a box score and, and – and find that that the Wizards are doing really well so far. 
Yeah, last last night Wall was three of thirteen from the field, but made thirteen of fifteen free throws. Yeah, I mean, fifteen free throws, and then the game before that, he had eleven free throws. I mean, yeah. him and Beal and Porter too. They're all getting to the line consistently, and they're making the free throws. I know Brad was frustrated opening night about some of the free throws he missed down the stretch, but also defensively, these guys have been really locked in. I don't think they've played you know the elite guards per se yet, but right. Reggie Jackson and Avery Bradley both struggled from the field, both under 50%. Uh, and then last night, Gary Harris was one of six. Yep. Jamal Murray was four of 12. Those guys can score. Gary Harris got to shoot more for that team. Yeah, I was does. thinking yeah. that throughout the entire game last night. Will Barton, five of 12. Um, only two of six from three. The three-point defense was a lot better last night. I, it was, I will say, though, wildly impressed with Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that dude, is, that dude can ball. He is you the could real see, deal. You could see Gortat was was manning him up and muscling him, and he was hitting turnaround junk. Yeah. Yeah. And you like can't Mar- defend that. You can't defend that. Yeah. Well, he had seven turnovers, though. I mean, the Nuggets, the Nuggets in general percent. just turned it over the, constantly. Well, we've the, noticed that, too. I think it's who the Wizards have played. The Sixers and Nuggets are two young teams. They're tur- we're forcing a lot of turnovers. No, the, yeah. I mean, the and not, unforced errors. Going into right. going to Denver first off is always hard because of the altitude. Second, oh, that's a really sneaky good team, and deep to go team. on the road, really deep team, and to go yeah. on the road early in the season and get a win there, um, it's impressive. Um, you know, Scott Brooks took the contact, got the foul, <laughs> and uh, got us the W. Gritty, yeah, Gritty. such a bizarre, such a bizarre play. Yeah, he said after the game that he didn't think it was intentional, but the refs obviously. Uh, took offense from it I think when it, it you know the players are very defensive of coach Brooks for obvious reasons they love him he's yeah. their leader outside of John in the locker room and they took offense and I mean who wouldn't yeah and it shows you know I don't know if every coach would get that kind of reaction from his players yeah it, the, the, this team has has grown closer to him really since since he started and we knew that when Coach Brooks came to Washington that he had a reputation of being a player's coach. That's certainly playing out. And you, you know, you, you'll see these players, all, I think all of them obviously would go to bat for him. And um, they certainly did last night. And, you know, they, they trust him. They, they, like, they like being around him. One of the things that I, you know, just when we went to Six Flags for the, um, we went to Six Flags for the season ticket holder event. Just watching the way that the players interact with him, just in general, it's it's clear that they're they're close. They are they have great working relationships, but they also have a great ability to keep it light over a long season. That's really important, and he's just very relatable to the guys, being a former NBA player himself, and that can only benefit a team over what really is a marathon of a season. Absolutely, a few more uh, stats to throw out there before we get to uh, previewing the Lakers game. Uh, and which, then getting to Wes Unseld, which is what the people actually came yeah, to this what podcast they came to for. Listen to what not us. For, yeah. um, the Wizards now, the starters now, um, without with Jason Smith being injured, have now played with Ubre in the lineup the most minutes uh, in the NBA, sixty nine minutes total together on the court. Um, they they have a defensive rating under a hundred, which is the goal. Uh, their net rating of twenty point four is fifth in the NBA, minimum twenty five minutes, which is outstanding. Um, it's it, to be effective on both ends of the floor as a unit that really hasn't. They played a good amount together last year, but not a ton. Yeah, is really impressive. Uh, 
this isn't a knock on the bench, bench, but when the big three have been on the court, the net rating has been over 30, <laughs> which is incredible. That is wild. And I was comparing that to other teams, and for regular starters, that was definitely near the top. I mean, there's some bench players that have only played a few minutes that make I an s- impact. But I saw a stat um, earlier today, and this is totally irrelevant to the conversation except for the whole offensive-defensive ratings. The, the, um, the Hornets, when Kemba's on the floor, have like a plus 14 rating, and when he's off the floor, have like a negative 36 rating. Oh, God. Yeah. Their, off, their offensive rating when he's off the floor is like 72. Oh, that's terrible. And so yeah. I just wanted to – I mean, we don't play – uh, we don't play Charlotte for till November twenty second, but yeah. um, just to show the you know the yeah. impact a guy can have. Um, no question. Uh, speaking of point guards having an impact, Lonzo Ball Wednesday night in L.A. There's been a little talking going on, not by the, Lonzo. The kid's got a bullseye on him. Yep. The yeah. kids and you know and by no fault of his own. By no fault of his own, and um and you know you see the talking in the in the on Twitter and the media. We don't need to get into that. But um, but I definitely think he's got a target on him, and I think John's going to attack him, and it's going to be a really good test for the kid. What else are you got? Yeah, I think you know the Lakers have always played the Wizards hard. Uh, yeah. Last year, I know both games were close. Yeah, Staples is always an electric atmosphere. Yeah, I think they're, they're, people are going to show up for this game after some of these comments that have been made. People always um, show up to the Lakers games. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, but is there anyone else on the Lakers that – you guys kind of you look at their house, you say, oh, that guy might be a problem against the Wizards. I think Lonzo has obviously stole the spotlight. We knew that was going to happen. But the Lakers, they really are. They're, they are super young, just like we talked about with the Sixers. They're super young. They're inexperienced. But they are extremely talented. I mean, guys, they have lottery picks all over the place. And Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle. Julius Randle is a is a bulldog in the post. And he's, he, he, he's he's complaining a lot underrated early. player. Though. He's yeah. complaining a lot early in the season, though. I mean, I don't yeah. know how uh, I don't know where where his head's at. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a young squad that they've got a lot of growth left. I think Luke Walton is a, is a good coach, though. I think he's a good, especially good coach for this group so, in particular. And so, there's talent everywhere. I think we'll see that. I just think that obviously having John Wall and Bradley Beal, guys who have been there before. You know, a lot of times now, a very experienced team. Um, it's 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 going to be a very hard test for the Lakers. I think it'll be a good test for the Wizards. That's a, you know the big stage of LA, very similar to New York and and those kinds of things. John and and Brad and and certainly the rest of this team, they revel in those opportunities, no matter what the John especially the loves opponent. It. John mm-hmm. especially. I think Gortat and too. So, yeah. I think it's going to be a really fun game so to watch. I'll Certainly, the atmosphere will be great. So I'll mm-hmm. say the the player that's impressed me. I have to say, I I mean, I thought you know, I think that Lonzo's going to have it. It's up and downs this year, but I'm I'm a believer in him as a player. He's super, regardless talented. of everything else. I say the player on their team that's impressed me the most early this season is is Jordan Clarkson. Looks like he's back to being an elite scorer in this yes, league. He's and shooting over fifty percent. He looks he looks field. great. And the player that I'm most excited to see play is a guy that looks like he was a draft steal at the end of the first round, and Kyle Kuzma. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Kuzma talk. A yeah. lot of Kuzma talk, and I'm excited, to see, Kuzma. I'm excited to see the, uh, what, um, what the buzz is about on him. Still, and they remember that they traded for Brooke Lopez, who's really given the Wizards a hard time over the years. Yeah. Because um, he can shoot from the outside now. That trade, yeah. though, looks yeah. – uh, D'Angelo Russell looks really yeah. good in Brooklyn. It made sense for both teams. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Brandon Ingram, it's going to be interesting to get a look at him. Uh, but otherwise, just a few quick things on the Lakers. They're bottom 10 in offensive rating, bottom 10 in defensive rating. No surprise 
bottom 10 in turnovers per game. So you'd think the Wizards, again, will be favored in this game. Some they've, they got KCP there now, too. Uh, they've got a lot of guys, um, but, again, a lot of new faces, too. So they haven't played a lot together from just looking at their team. It just looks like they don't take great shots yet, um, but that's part of a young team. They have a great coach, and they'll be good. But I think the Wizards should win this game and go into Golden State 4-0, and and we'll talk about that on Thursday's pod, but that that's exciting. Yeah, it's very um, exciting. So we're going to wrap up our talking here. Uh, and next up, we've got the legend Wes Unseld from Baltimore. Uh, you don't want to miss this interview. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again on Thursday. And again, we're going to start doing podcasts. Now we're shifting towards Mondays and Thursdays every week. Uh, so keep listening, subscribing. and uh, Leave a review for us. Yeah, Say why something not? nice. Yeah, tell us what you think. Yeah, you can make fun of our tweets uh, if you unless want. Unless you don't like That's us. Right. Yeah. Uh, then, don't, then don't do it. All right. Talk to you soon, Wizkid. We are joined by the Unselds. Wes, you know him, if you, especially if you're old enough to remember that championship season in 1977-78. We're also joined by his better half. Can I say that, Wes, that Connie's your better half? You can say whatever you want as long as she's sitting here. <laughs> as long as she's sitting here. We really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, it means a lot to us and as we celebrate 40 years of winning the championship. Uh, if you could first just talk about what it means to know that at least in Washington Bullets and Wizards history, you are the champion. You are the face of this franchise. Well, I, I, I would say they need to get a new face. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, I, it, it, it means a lot. I, I don't want to downplay everything, but it, it, uh, it was important when it was happening and at the time. And if there are those out there as old as I am that can still remember it, then uh, that's nice. Okay. Connie, how about you? As we were talking before we actually started to record, you talked about how it seems that you understand the game a little bit more and the importance of the celebration and, you know, uh, the cheering and what did it mean to you for to not just be there for West, but to win that championship as we talked to him earlier about you know, understand that he was on the tail end of his career right. and this was maybe his last chance to win it, and they did it. Well, it's important because of the integrity that he had for the game and his his due diligence and his, his determination, uh, his attitude was, I want to win. And this was the, the fruits of his labor. He won. And it was important that the team have that team concept. I've never seen a team so combined together with the same attitude on the same page. It was like a mind thing. You know, I'm going to throw it to you. You know what to do. I'm looking at you. You know what to do. It was just awesome. I mean, from my perspective as a fan, that was so smooth. For those who don't know, that regular season may have not been the smoothest ride with injuries and less winning than you were used to. What made everything kind of click in the end? Was it just the guys supporting each other and being there for each other. What what was the difference that season in your mind? I don't think it was anything, uh, you know, off the cuff. It's that we all got healthy. I think if you look at that season, you won't find five straight games where Bobby, Elvin, myself, uh, Tommy, 
Kevin, that we all played together at the same time. And then about, uh, oh, maybe a half a dozen games before we were, we limped into the playoffs, everybody was healthy. And at that point right there, I think we knew uh, there might be somebody that could beat us, but they had their jobs, uh, you know, a, a full day's work ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we look back at a lot of top ten games, either good or bad, things that happen as you know the ebb and flow of a season goes. A few of the things stood out. With two of the ones that I remember, you scored 146 points in one game, uh, the tenth most scored in any NBA game, and then uh, the game where you only dressed seven are the two in the regular season that kind of stand out. What games stand out for you when you look back on that regular season? I don't know if there's, there is a single game uh, or games that, that, that stood out. I, I thought, uh, you know, we, we put together some, some really good games that we lost. Uh, and we put together some games where we played really stinky and won. So I, I don't look. I didn't look at it that way. There, there were times when, uh, like, like the game you said, we scored 140 some points. I, I have no recollection of that game uh, mm-hmm. at all. So it, it, I'm sure it, it might have meant something, but I can't think of what it would or what it did. The summer before the season, Bobby Dandridge is coming uh, over from the Bucks. What was the difference that he made that season in particular uh, that maybe he was the glue to get you over the hump? I don't know whether it was glue or not, but it, I, I remember thinking that was a heck of an important piece mm-hmm. uh, to give us a, that, that lockdown, that, that position, that three position. Elvin had the four, I had the five, and – with Bobby locking down the three, we knew we had three positions that we could play against anybody. And, uh, and our guards were just as good at, uh, to take care of anybody else. So that was the time when we knew we had chances of, of being successful at whatever stage we were able to get to. And that was going to be Phil Chenier at the two, Tom Henderson mm-hmm. at the point guard, but then mm-hmm. Phil goes out, Kevin Grevy comes in. Mm-hmm. So guys had to kind of learn new roles, so to speak. So we know, you know, he was injured for part of the season, but Phil would have been at that number two position. Uh, we just learned this week, it was just announced as well, that Phil Chenier is going to have his jersey retired. Uh, in the rafters alongside yours and Earl Monroe and Gus Johnson, Elvin Hayes. What does that bring back for you in the memories of his game and how proud of him you are? Well, I don't think you can understand how proud I am of Phil Chenier. Uh, I just watched a little – you know, I first ran into Phil Chenier. uh, I was playing – I guess I was my first year or something. I was on my way to overseas for a, a team we were playing. And we were out in uh, San Francisco playing. And they brought in a, a team to scrimmage with us. In fact, uh, what was the guy that was on uh, Texas El Paso? He had just been drafted by uh, 
the Golden State team Warriors. in San Francisco mm-hmm. at the time. And and they had this little young kid uh, with them. And I thought, man, this kid's a baby. What is he doing out here with us? It was Phil Chenier. Wow. I didn't, uh, I had to go back, man, this little kid lit us up. And I thought, he's a little high school player. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was the first time I ran into Phil. And then when they brought him in to, uh, I, what is this, a couple of years out of, out of uh, uh, high school? He was a couple of years out of college. Uh, yeah, Berkeley. No, at a high school, he was a couple of years in college. college right? yeah. mm-hmm. He was, I mean, he could just lit us up, but he was so young looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew back then that there were going to be people going to try to take advantage of that. You know, uh, if you can't stop a guy defensively, knock him out. You know, mm-hmm. any way to, to to stop him. That, but that was the way things were. You back you had, then. Yeah, back mm-hmm. then you back had to then. fight for do your position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he luckily he had Gus Johnson who could whip anybody, and if Gus didn't whip him, once you got him down, I'd step on you. So <laughs> he he was in good shape. <laughs> and you and Phil with the broadcasting stuff, being with the organization for so long. Um, I guess my question is just what does it mean to you to be kind of a lifelong bullet uh, now wizard within the organization with the association and why, what makes this franchise so special? Well, I, I think because it keeps people like Phil Chenier, uh people who've dedicated not only the, doing their playing career, but then, you know, they've recognized uh, those qualities and, and kept him there because he knew the game. He knew how to get it over, get it across to people. And, you know, I think a lot of people in this area appreciate that. You know, there, there are people who might be able to talk more eloquently than, 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 than certain people, but no one knew the game, I knows the game any better than he did. And no one, I think they knew and understood that had the ability and the feeling of trying to get it across to people like he did. I mean, he, he to me, he, he's the best. I am so proud that mm-hmm. I've, I've known him all these years. And there's some stories I could tell you that would make you want to go across the street and slap him. Because he did some crazy things. You can't share anything with us. Oh no! You probably sue me. <laughs> but he was—he was great. He was, and he is, and always has been a great teammate. What has Wes been like? As kind of like your teammate. You gonna Bonnie? slap me? No. Oh no! <laughs> you know, as as you being not just a wife but a mother, but I imagine back then somewhat of a trainer and psychologist helping Wes <laughs> go through the season. Well, we were a team. There's no question about no it. About I, I, I really wanted him to be the best that he could be because there was just a lot of pride within ourselves. But the other part of it was Wes is a competitor, and, and that's with everything he does. I wouldn't have to competitive she was. If I was, I'd still be playing. <laughs> she wanted to win more than you did. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. I want to win. And it was so bad that I would go to the game and I'd sit down and put on a piece of paper, we should win by 10 points, you know, before the game would even start. And I would say to the wives, win, and they would say, win. I mean, we were just so into it. We were going to win. 
there was a couple of years where we were we were offended one game that we lost because we were wait a minute what is going on here we're not supposed to we're not supposed to lose and our fans around us were very supportive too it was a good group of people that supported this team I mean that that championship year and the mm-hmm. year after I mean we we hollered and screamed and it was just okay to be what we were we were a solid team and i think they appreciated our enthusiasm didn't you? i think so yeah. yeah what was the camaraderie like around the wives and the families oh we were very close mm-hmm. we were very close we were very close to even the players i mean there was a relationship that you know are you okay i would say to you are you okay are you you playing tonight are you okay because i knew if you played he would be okay. Are you okay? okay? Are you? I'm, sure. I was even kind of anxious to see. I don't see you. Where is he? Are you, go, are you going to be there? And that's kind of that spirit that we had with each other. As we sit here at the unselled school that you've had, what, celebrating almost 40 years? Almost 40 years. Wow. Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, your daughter, Kim, teaches here. And you yes. also have a son, Wes Unsell Jr., as assistant coach in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets. How close are you as a family? I know you have Kim right here. How much do you get to talk to Wes Jr. and kind of follow his career as a coach and the grandkids? I talk to my grandkids. I don't need to talk to Wes Jr. I know what he's (laughs) thinking. I taught him what to think. But, uh, no, we talk. You know, he's he's busy. He's a competitor, yeah. exactly like him, so, and I'm a yeah. competitor. I watch his games too. So now you do? I, have, I have two oh, teams. Yeah. I mean, come on, Nuggets! You yes. Got a big telephone bill. Oh um, my goodness! Cable I, bill. I, yeah. I am. So the only thing is, they come on later, and I'm up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Later. But I enjoy watching them too. So it's uh, now there are two teams. But we talk in my once heart. a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Every. Every week, more we than talk. that. But well, there's a do. designated time to talk. But we we talk all the time. Yeah. yeah. But every Sunday, I, I talk to him. Uh, he'll if he's on the road, he'll call, mm-hmm. and normally we call at home. And I get to talk to his wife and and my grandchildren, and they they like me better than they like her. But oh. it's, it's understandable. It's understandable. <laughs> Who else have you uh, kept in contact from the team? I know you said you mentioned that you talked to Willis Reed recently, and just last night. Yeah, just mm-hmm. around the league. Who do you keep in contact with, and? And what do you what do y'all talk about? Well, I don't know what we talk about. We talk <laughs> nonsense. We, we, t- we tell those old lies we told when we were playing. You know, I talked to Butch Beard, who was a high a college uh, a teammate. I talked to him last night, in fact, too. Uh, Earl Monroe, uh, Tom Koselko. I, I used the name out of the past, but just a, a, a real dear friend of mine that we got real close over the few years he was with us. We talk once a week, and we've been talking once a week for the last oh, 35, 40 yeah. years. Yeah, for wow. a long time. And, uh, you know, there are a number of other guys that, you know, talk to. Now, you're saying you just talk to them on the phone, but in this day and age, there's so many ways yeah. to communicate with the fans, with the media. You got Twitter. I know you have a Snapchat, I'm sure. A what? A what? Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly, exactly no, right. I, I do know how to FaceTime. FaceTime. There we go. I, I FaceTime one, one thing, one people, one person, one place. Mm-hmm. And that's my grandchildren. Yep, that's it. That's the, and I, I went out and I bought the biggest mega FaceTime computer. You, is that what it is? Yeah, That's all I do it, with it. Nobody it touches it because all, all I've ever done with that computer is FaceTime. Is yeah. one FaceTime. That's it. And that's it. And the rest of the time <laughs> it sits in a special place. And on Sunday at 8 o'clock our time, 
which is 6 o'clock Denver time. I pull it out. I hit a button, and it goes, and they're waiting on me. <laughs> and they, they're probably sitting back there, let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would it be like to play today, though, and in, in be in this era of constant contact and you know, the media is always, you know, not just talking about what you're doing on the court, but they have more mm-hmm. access to mm-hmm. the players to mm-hmm. see what they're doing off the court. They wouldn't have more access to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That same thing when, when I played. You know, I used to hear that, well, we don't have access. No, I talked to you after the game because we were required to, but mm-hmm. that was it. You'd fulfill your obligations and yeah, you'd be I do on my, your way. I did my obligations, yeah. 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 I think that's his personality. You know, he's sure. just not one of those people that wants you in his business. He has space, you know. This is my space, and you're in it, so move out. I'm more comfortable with just, Anybody. Know, yes, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. just my nature, so it really doesn't bother me that much. But, that's good. You got the 40th anniversary coming up in March. Uh, what are you looking forward to most that weekend and just seeing everybody uh, being back in front of the fans, that kind of thing? Oh, I don't know how many fans are going to be around. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be nice, you know, to be around, to see the guys and be around them, but uh, I'll start worrying about that in March. One day at you? a time. I would just be really happy to see everybody that was involved. There's a real comradeship there, and there's a real deep, I think, appreciation for each other. I miss not being around them. You know, as you get older and things, your life changes you think about those memories and they're more precious because you're older. Mm-hmm. And you reflect on them and you think, and there's no regrets. I don't think about, well, I should have because we did all that we should have done. But I just regret that I didn't stay in touch as much as I really want to. So it'd just be nice just to see them. You're an avid reader. What are you reading Not today? Anymore. Not, Not anymore? anymore. No. Nothing? No. It's, uh, it's Things have changed. I'm not, I, I don't read nearly anywhere close to what I used to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I used to go through a book a week. Yeah. And now I haven't gone through a book and I couldn't even tell you how long. And how about the school? Like how, how has it been considering you're coming up on the 40th year for Connie West? What has it I, been like to... Personally, I leave that to her. Yeah. You know, because of, you know, my situation has been very difficult for, for me to uh, this is as long a period I've spent in the building oh, wow. in about a year and a half. Wow. Because uh, when I came out of the hospital, you know, I, I wasn't even allowed to go anywhere. And then, you know, it's been building up. So this time that we've spent here today, uh, since, what's February of 15 mm-hmm. or 16? Mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. This is a longer period as I've been able to spend in the building. Uh, and I do miss it. The kids, yeah, they miss you know, some too. of them are still here. Uh, and that's what's so great. They, I mean, they're great. I know you saw the two guys. My my daughter sent two of her eighth graders to escort me in. <laughs> they weren't escorting. They were told, don't let him fall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, these kids are great. I've seen them grow up, and, and, and now, you know, uh, Every once in a while when you're out, you run into them, and uh, it's that's good. What they do here with these kids, with these children, they're not children, young adults, 
is, is amazing. And that's why, you know, there's, there's a lot of time, effort, and resources you put into it. But when you get out there and you see them and see what they do and what they become, it's so worth it. Is there a special curriculum for West uh, Huntsville? That in, yes, in the it school? is. Yes, <laughs> We have a classical uh, curriculum, but our son, Wesley, was the first student to graduate from Huntsville School. Wow. So if you look at, you know, the proof of what you do and who are your alumni, they're awesome. And he is the epitome of an Uncell student. So I just put Wes Uncell out there, that's what you're going to get. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's classic. Uh, the gentleman, the character, the integrity, the work ethics, the critical thinking, it just blows children away. And those young men that you came in here, they aspire to be just like Wes, and I'm not putting it in them. It's just that they see. He's a graduate of Johns Hopkins, so okay. He's a graduate of so-and-so, okay. So they already have in mind short-term goals, long-term goals and objectives, and there's no way that they're not gonna be class students and class citizens. Mm -hmm. That's all I can ask for. Everybody has a school, yes, academically, you want them to do well, but I want social maturity. I want mm -hmm. critical thinking. I want you to be able to work within the world and be inclusive and appreciate people. So this is what you're going to get. We know that you you obviously watch both the Nuggets and the Wizards. Then, what what uh what do you like to watch now about the game? And we 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 talked a little about what you might not like as much, but <laughs> what is there that you do like about the game and where it's headed and. Especially you know, the, with the Wizards, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I like, I, you know, I like all aspects of it. And if, if specifically speaking about the Wizards, you know, I, I, I just think that they, they are there, almost there, mm -hmm. uh, in, in all honesty. And then I told you, the job that Ernie and, and the coach uh, did this year, uh, binding and pulling these guys together and, and watching them uh, go and the talent that they have. Uh, you know, right now their talent is on the outside, uh, you know, guard-oriented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when I say talent, I mean the, the stars, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they've got to get a glue on the inside, and he doesn't have to be a star, but he's got to, you know, be someone that can sit there and, and, and hold – it's on against the other big guys in the league. Maybe a Wes Unseld. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. He's got to be better than that. <laughs> they are they're right there at the top. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us You're on welcome. the Off the Bench podcast. It really means a lot to us. And for those of you that got to watch it on Monumental Sports Network, hope you enjoy spending some time and hearing from Wes and Connie Unseld. Thank, thank you. you very much for joining yeah. us as we, we sit here at the Unseld School. Thank you. Yeah, and we look forward to having you back at Capital One Arena in the March. See you there. Okay. okay. All right. Ciao for now, everybody.